Chapter Twenty One of Mildred and Elsie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mildred and Elsie by Martha Finley. Chapter Twenty One. Mutual Love, the Crown of All Our Bliss. Milton. The boys took up their oars again, pushed out a little from the shore and rowed upstream for a short distance, then turned and went down for a mile or more, keeping out of the main current all the time, according to promise. Elsie felt a trifle timid at first, and a little troubled lest she had not done quite right in yielding to her cousin's persuasions. But gradually these disquieting thoughts and feelings passed away, and she gave herself up to thorough enjoyment of the present pastime. They chatted, laughed, and sang, dipped their hands in the clear water, gazed through it at the pebbly bottom, and the fish darting hither and thither, landed in several places to gather bright autumn leaves, then re-entered the canoe for another row. The air was delightful and most of the way they were pretty well shaded from the sun by the high bank and its trees and bushes the boys did not soon tire with their work for their load was light going downstream required but little use of their oars and even rowing up was not very laborious so the afternoon slipped away before they knew it i believe the sun is getting low cyril said at length and we are a good mile from home we must turn don what time is it elsie taking out her pretty watch half past five she said in some dismay and the air begins to feel a little chilly don't you think so yes and it's supper time come don my lad we must pull lustily yes a long pull a strong pull and a pull both together responded don gaily as he bent to his oar we ought to have brought shawls along for you girls cyril remarked with an anxious glance at his little cousin i'm not cold said anise but elsie is here little coz let me put this round you he said pulling off his coat nobody will see and i wouldn't have you take a chill from this expedition for anything in the world but you will be cold elsie said shrinking back as he would have put it about her shoulders not a bit rowing keeps a fellow warm as toast this time of year he returned with a light laugh and she made no further resistance nearing the grotto they saw aunt jolie standing at the water's edge with a shawl on her arm looking out anxiously for her nursling oh mammy has papa come elsie called to her now darling spect massa ill be long directly but what for my child go off in de boat without a shawl when de evidence gets so cool e's fraid massa be mighty vexed bout it and s'pose you got drownded honey what then come now aunt chole it's all my fault and if there's to be any scolding i'm the one to take it cyril said good-humouredly as he helped elsie ashore oh mammy was it naughty in me to go do you think papa will be displeased with me the little girl asked in an anxious whisper 
while the nurse was busied in carefully wrapping the shawl about her cyril's coat having been returned with thanks maybe not dear honey don't you fret where was the harm in her going but you won't tell of her aunt cho annis said as they climbed the steps that led up the bank no child specs not ain't no occasion no how massa meber in de house very long for miss elsie tell him all she's been a-doin shall you tell him elsie annis asked turning to her cousin as they gained the top of the flight of steps yes i can't feel easy till papa knows all about it i'm afraid i oughtn't to have gone there was a tone of distress in elsie's voice and indeed she began to be sorely troubled in prospect of her father's displeasure for her mammy's words had caused her to see her conduct in going on the river in a new light and she had now scarce a hope that it would meet his approval besides they were certainly late for supper and he was particular in regard to promptness at meals they hurried into the house expecting to find their elders seated about the table but there was no one in the dining-room and though the table was set the meal was not spread the ladies had returned but were waiting for the gentlemen who had not yet come in elsie was not sorry she hastened upstairs to be made need for tea and was down again in a few minutes still nothing was to be seen or heard of the huntsmen and she began to grow uneasy perhaps some accident had happened to her dear papa maybe she was to be punished in that way for what she began to look upon as an act of disobedience or something very near it aunt marcia she said drawing near to mrs keith what do you think makes them stay so long i don't know dear but nothing serious i trust they probably went farther than they had intended but don't be anxious i do not see any cause for alarm was the cheerful kindly answer supper had been delayed a full hour already and mrs keith decided that it should wait no longer it is not worth while she said for very likely our gentlemen have supped somewhere on the road elsie was unusually silent and seemed to have lost her appetite her eyes turned every moment toward the door her ear was strained to catch every sound from the street oh what could be keeping her papa they left the table and she stationed herself at a front window to wait and watch for his coming mildred drew near passed an arm about the child's waist and with a gentle kiss asked why are you so troubled and anxious dear little girlie it is nothing strange that our father should be a little late in getting home to-night then elsie laying her head on her cousin's shoulder whispered in her sympathizing ear a tearful story of how the afternoon had been spent and her fear that she had done wrong in going out in the canoe and that perhaps she might be punished by something dreadful happening to her dear dear papa i hardly think it was wrong dear mildred said not a very serious fault at any rate and i cannot believe our heavenly father would visit you with such a punishment he never treats us according to our deserts he is a god ready to pardon gracious and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness yes i know the bible tells us that elsie returned wiping away her tears how good he is to me and to all his creatures it makes me ashamed and sorry for all the sin in my heart and life 
mildred presently began talking of the old days at viamede and roselands trying thus to help the little girl to forgetfulness of her anxiety elsie grew cheerful and apparently interested in her cousin's reminiscences of her babyhood but still her eyes turned every now and then to the window and her ears seemed attentive to every sound from without the clock struck eight and with a sigh she drew out her watch and compared the two oh she said why don't they come i must go to bed in half an hour and i do so want to see papa first do you think he wouldn't let you stay up to wait for him asked mildred no cousin he always insists on my going to bed at the regular hour unless he has given me permission to stay up longer the half hour was almost gone only five minutes left when at last elsie's ear caught the sound of a well-known step and voice she ran to the door papa papa i'm so glad so glad you've come i was so afraid something had happened to you ah i knew my little girl would be anxious he said bending down to give her a tender caress well there was nothing wrong except that we went a little farther than we intended and here we are safe and sound and both tired and hungry i dare say said mrs keith the first but not the last returned her husband we took our supper an hour ago at ward's mr dinsmore sat down and drew elsie to his side ah is it so late he said glancing at the clock just your bedtime daughter yes papa but and with her arm about his neck her lips to his ear she whispered the rest i want so much to tell you something mayn't i yes go up now and let aunt chloe make you ready for bed then put on your dressing-gown and slippers and come to my room i shall be there by that time and we'll have our little talk i should hardly like to go to bed without it myself elsie obeyed and he presently excusing himself on the plea of fatigue for so early a retirement went to his room where she found him waiting for her as he had promised well my pet have you anything particular for papa's ear to-night he asked lifting her to his knee yes papa but aren't you too tired to hold me no it rests me to have my darling in my arms he answered caressing her with his want of tender fondness papa i'm afraid i don't deserve it to-night she murmured hanging her head while a deep blush suffused her cheek i'm sorry indeed if that is so he said gently but very glad that my little daughter never tries to conceal any wrongdoing of her own from me then he waited for her to speak he knew there was no need to question her papa she said so low that he barely caught the words i went out on the river in a canoe with a niece this afternoon cyril and don rowed it and my little girl went without her father's permission his tone was one of grieved surprise but you were not here to give it papa she said bursting into tears a very good and sufficient reason why my daughter should have refused to go but papa i did not know you would object and i thought you would not want me to spoil the pleasure of my cousins and they said i would if i refused to go i think you certainly knew me well enough to be quite sure if you had taken time to consider the question fully that i would be far from willing to let you run into danger for the pleasure of others but papa aunt marcia lets anise go and cyril said there was no danger nonsense cyril is only a boy not capable of judging 
the current of the river is very swift and strong i should not have trusted you upon it in a canoe with those boys for any consideration and am truly thankful that you escaped without accident but i am not pleased with you papa i am very sorry please don't be angry with me she sobbed hiding her face on his shoulder he was silent for a moment then lifting her face wiped away her tears with his handkerchief and kissing her lips said i suppose the temptation was strong and as it was not an act of positive disobedience to orders i forgive you but my little daughter you must never do anything of the kind again no dear papa i will not she said with a sigh of relief you are very kind not to punish me not kinder to you than to myself it hurts me i think quite as much as it does you when i have to punish you he said with another loving caress now darling bid me good-night and go to your bed End of chapter 21